Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWS analyst and broadcaster. We're here with a special edition interview episode for everyone today. We are joined by a former NWSL player, Stanford University graduate, All-Pac 12 midfielder, CEO and founder of Just Women's Sports, Haley Rosen. How are you doing today, Haley? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're really hyped to have you on here because um, in all of the uh, different areas in which uh, folks can find their uh, women's pro uh, athletic uh, um, content and coverage, uh, JWS has really sort of emerged um, as this as this main place, this main source for for folks to go and get that type of uh, content and coverage. So why don't we start with that? Right. Let's 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 throw it back to the beginning of JWS. How, how did you come up with the idea? How did you start the company? Yeah, um, going all the way back to the beginning. Um, you know, really, for me, it was my time as an athlete that really led me to starting just women's sports. You know, as you mentioned, I played in college, spent some time in the NWSL and abroad. And that's the experience that really showed me, you know, all the momentum and opportunity in women's sports. You know, every league, every team, we were selling out stadiums, attendance was up, viewership was up, there's new sponsors, you know, fans were staying after games for hours from, you know, to get autographs from people that didn't even see the field. Like there was just so much excitement and energy. And I um, had a bunch of injuries and retired sooner than I admittedly would have liked and came back to the Bay Area you know, having gone to Stanford, a lot of people started going to tech. So kind of followed that path. And for me, that was the first time, you know, I wasn't in the world of sports and I was, you know, it was the first time I was on the outside looking in and I still cared a lot about this space. And I had friends that were still playing or coaches I had been close to, and I wanted to follow along and I genuinely couldn't do it. And we know that 4% number, you know, 4% of sports coverage is dedicated women's sports. But then on the other side is someone that was really actively seeking out this content, you know, I, I just, I couldn't find what I was looking for. It's very pink and glitter. It's very young. It's very lifestyle. And I just found myself asking, you know, where are the sports, right? Like where are the stats and the highlights and who's at the top of the table? And I think my friend just got traded, but I can't find that information anywhere. Like it was just like, where are the sports? And that's really where just women's sports was born. You know, that was the idea. Um, and how I kind of got into this whole crazy media world. 
Looking back at your background, as you mentioned, soccer specific, some time in the NWSL, some time abroad playing and and collegiately, um, you hit some of the highest levels there, uh, but you played in the NWSL and this season, 2021 season for the NWSL was very competitive down to the very last game. Um, How does the league look different today when you look at it uh, compared to when you played? You know, obviously this season, there was a lot of really disheartening stories that came out. Um, And I think that's, it's a good thing that that happened, right? I think it's a part of progress. We had to root it out, talk about it, shed light on it and be, to be able to move forward. Um, And I think that there, you know, sort of with that said, the league looks really different in a lot of ways that are positive. You know, there's more teams Um, There's more sponsors, you know, there's more resources. And I think that's all really, really positive. And it's going to encourage, you know, more people out of college to want to play in the league and then want to stay in the league. You know, a lot of what I saw when I was, you know, my time around the NWSL was players would go for a year, maybe two years. Then they had to get a, you know, quote unquote, real job because it was really hard to be a professional women's soccer player. You were, basically couch surfing, you're not making good money and you're really just sacrificing a lot. Sorry. (laughs) You're really sacrificing a lot for not a lot. And so I think just seeing, you know, more sponsors come on board, um, new teams emerge, just more resources going into the league. I think that's really, really positive. And, you know, ultimately that's going to make the league better, like better players are going to stay in the league and come to the league and, you know, athletes are going to stay in the league longer. So they're going to have more time to improve and get used to the pace of play. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. There's so much that needs to happen to make the NWSL a really sustainable and positive experience for the athletes. But I still feel encouraged that it's going the right way. Yeah. I think um, just sort of witnessing what the players kind of went through and, and, showing up for their job as a pro athlete every weekend and week out during the 2021 regular season, a season, which was, we all agree is probably one of the most competitive seasons in NWSL that we've witnessed um, while still trying to um, negotiate for their, their, their CBA. Um, there there was a lot to, to take in, into consideration and just sort of maybe keeping your uh, soccer player hat on for now, witnessing all this from, from the, from the league and, and the players, if you were still competing, let's just have a little fun here uh, and playing soccer, maybe finding yourself in NWSL. Is there like a team, their club that you have looked at throughout the regular season where you're like, man, I would have loved to have like maybe been a part of that team and get a run out there. Is it like a team, maybe like Kansas city, that's like a newer expansion side uh, that, that maybe they aren't getting those results, but they look like they're developing their culture and have a bright future or maybe a team like Portland Thorns that's been like a league powerhouse for a lot of years or a place like Oil Rain that has like the, you know, one of the longest NWSL coaches uh, in Laura Harvey. Is, is there any of these teams that stick out to you that you think I would like to maybe get a run out with them? I mean, I'd love to get a run with any of the teams. (laughs) I mean, man, I miss it so much. And I think all those teams you mentioned, like for all the reasons, like Portland is such a powerhouse. There's so much fan engagement. Orlando has awesome resources. But the team that stands out to me, and this is just a very incredibly biased perspective, is the Washington Spirit. There's so many former Stanford players on that team. That midfield with like Jordan DiBiase and Andy Sullivan, like that was our college midfield. So it'd be fun to get back into it with them. 
I love that. And I, I love that too, because they were my, my dark horse. But when we started, really? we started doing these episodes and we were like, oh, like, who's your pick to, to take? I was like, spirit are going to go some places in 2021. And we're, we definitely witnessed that for sure. Yeah, for Sometimes sure. it's fun. It's like Stanford 2.0 over there. Yeah, you get to play maybe with some former teammates. I know I always play this game. I'm I'm a former collegiate player and I'm always like, all right, which team would I have the most fun at? Which team yeah, would yeah. I love to play with on the field? Uh, just because I feel like we see so much of their personalities coming out on the pitch. So, all right, all right, we'll see. We'll see what we could do. Pull you yeah. out of retirement, get you back in the Washington spirit. <laughs> I would go like up the field one time and have to get subbed out. <laughs> um, a, a lot of of action has been taken in the NWSL thanks to the players. Uh, they're coming forward with their stories. Um, we alluded to that a little bit in all of the news that's been happening off the pitch for these teams. Um, but uh, these players are trying to take matters into their own hand and force the league to change the way they are, specifically the Players Association, uh, forcing the league to listen listen to their players. Uh, the biggest change that the players are, are hoping for right now is transparency from the league and player safety. It sounds so simple, but for you as a, a formal player who's couch surfed, who's had to struggle financially in and out of those things, fight for playing time on the field. Um, and you now publish league content covering the NWSL on the other side of it as a content creator. How do you want to see the league, the league change now from where you're sitting? Yeah. Um, it's a really good and important question. I, you know, honestly, like, I don't think this is an issue that's unique to the NWSL. I think this is not even an issue that's unique to women's soccer. I think this is an issue in women's sports generally. And at every level from, you know, youth to club, to high school, to collegiate, to professional, these issues are happening. And, you know, when that story came out, I had so many conversations with, you know, players and friends and former players that it's just like, you just felt it like, because you know how that situation happened. And someone on our team, Haley Kottmeyer played in the league for 10 years. You know, the way she's described it is surprising, surprising, not surprising. And I think that's like terrible that that's true. Um, and I think that just across the board, we have to figure out how to protect the athletes, right? Like that's what this is about at the end of the day. We want athletes to feel safe and secure in the environments that they're in. Really, we want that for people generally, you know? Um, and I think that the NWSL, like the rest of women's sports, has to rethink this. And we have to create environments that are safe for the athletes. And I think at times that means we might have to take two steps backwards to go forward. You know, I think in women's sports, because it is, you know, Today, we lack the media attention, right? We lack the resources, we lack the investment. So I think sometimes there's a fear of, you know, making things public that are ugly or may seem, you know, like it would hurt the growth of the space. But I think we have to just put player safety first and foremost. And if that means making tough decisions and that might mean letting go of great coaches and that might mean letting go of owners that have a lot of resources. But I think if we build with the athletes in mind, we're going to create, you know, not only a safer and healthier ecosystem, but I think that's the ecosystem that's going to win and be successful for, you know, the NWSL and just women's sports more broadly, because 
you know, it all starts with the athletes and it starts with the play. And it's, you know, if that's good and that's healthy and that's going the right way, I think a lot will work out. And that's a little bit of a convoluted answer, but I just think like the summary for me is we just have to rethink the dynamic and we have to protect women hard stop. Yeah, no, full stop for sure. Um, Kind of looking at that a little bit and maybe kind of connecting these two things with all of the things going on or that had happened throughout the regular season, we still saw a lot of like strong individual performances from players throughout various club teams. And um, we got to see some of these players uh, make uh, the leap into U.S. Women's National Team camps based on the the play that they were putting together for, for their club teams. We recently saw um, – head coach Vlako Andonovsky call in different players during the September and October uh, post-Olympic friendlies uh, where we saw the the farewell games as well for somebody like like Carly Lloyd. Um, and at the conclusion of those types of games, automatically people are looking ahead. Yeah. And there was a lot of chatter about like the end of year, you know, friendlies, if there will still be some more, there's a lot pending there. Um, and then also January camps, uh, the infamous January camps around the corner. So um, kind of broadening this to, I guess, the international game. Who who would you like to see in January camp? NWSL WSL college players uh, or otherwise, are, are you keeping an eye on, on uh, just the current uh, pool that's in place or would you like to see some, some other players involved in the mix? You know, I'm really excited about the the younger players on the national team right now. And the players that we're seeing get called up and starting to get more playing time and, you know, starting like get, getting into a game for 15 minutes is very different than starting. And like when everyone's fresh and you have to, you know, build the rhythm, so, I mean, I think so many people are excited about this player, but Katarina, I mean, she's unbelievable. And I just think like, we're just scratching the surface of what she can do. And then again, I'm obviously very biased with Stanford, but I like Sophia Smith too. Like, I like her game a lot. I'd like to see more minutes there, but I think it's, you know, it's hard with the national team because the World Cup and the Olympics are back to back, right? So it's hard to make transitions in that period. But I think, you know, we're, in this time where I'm excited about this younger generation that's coming up. And I think we don't even know like what position is like a Katarina going to play. Is she going to be a center mid or forward and outside forward? It's, I don't know. It's exciting to see. It reminds me of like when, you know, press and Tobin um, and like Kelly were all coming up and it was like, you know, who, who are they? What are they going to be? Are they going to play attack? Are they going to play defense? Like how is this going to shape up? So I think it's, it's almost a new era is, is coming. The new era definitely coming. I'm so excited for these January camps to see who's going to be thrown into the mix. And Haley, I love it. You can always give Stanford a shout out. I'm all for that here on this podcast, uh, uh, promoting your own players. And and some of these players that you mentioned, Kelly O'Hara being some of them, Lynn Williams, Sam Ewis, um, Olympic players uh, for this women's national team. They're on your staff. They are writers and content creators for just women's sports. Um, even Haley Kottmeyer, a former NWSL goalkeeper for a number of years in the league is, is on your staff. You have a lot of athletes stacked up, current and former. Um, it's fun. It gives readers a different take on content straight from these athletes mouths with podcasts and written articles and all of the different ways to reach out to your fan base, uh, for just women's sports. Um, 
how is it different having current athletes on your staff as content creators, specifically Kelly O'Hara, Lynn Williams, Sam Mewis, those players that are still competing for club and country while also creating content for just women's sports? Well, their schedule is crazy. So that's always something fun to deal with. Um, you know, for me, like we were building this, like part of what I was talking about before is I felt like the content that I wanted in women's sports just wasn't out there. It didn't feel authentic to the world that I knew. So it was always really important to bring in the women that make women's sports what it is. So I think it's really special that we get to work with Kelly and Lynn and Sam, and we get to work with some professional basketball players as well. Um, I think it's just critical. It makes, it's real. It is, you know, they speak how the world of women's sports speak. They care about what people in women's sports care about. It just, for me, it just, it keeps us honest. It keeps us authentic. It's a big part of what we're building. And we're, we're hoping to bring in more athletes and also say too, like, it was also important for us to create opportunities for these women, you know, professional male athletes, they have a great career. They make a bunch of money. They get a bunch of followers and they can go on to be hosts or personalities or influencers, whatever that opportunity hasn't always existed on the women's side. So that's also been a really big part of what we're trying to do. We want to create opportunity. These women are amazing. Like let's team up to make women's sports big. Yes, completely. They, they deserve to have a voice and, and a space to share that voice. Um, you mentioned that that's where you want just women's sports to go. Where is that? <laughs> so for us, you know, I think like women's sports is the fastest growing area in sports. And I think that's incredibly exciting. And for us, we want to be that one-stop shop. So we want you, you know, we want to expand our digital content. We want to get expand our audio network, get into premium content. And ultimately for us, you know, we want the games. We want it, you know, with you guys too. We, the games that are not on CBS, we would love to take. And we'd love, you know, to have the game content in the, um, you know, the sort of the storytelling around it too, because we really believe, you know, building this fan base starts with content and storytelling. And if we can get fans tuning in every week, every day, which I think is very realistic, everything you see on the guy's side, I think we can go build the really robust agencies, the fantasy, the betting, like we can build this whole world and make it, you know, I think bigger than men's sports. And for me, it starts with content. So I love this podcast that you guys are doing. I love like everything that's happening in this space. Like, I just think it's really cool and important and exciting and the momentum's there. I mean, maybe just to, to follow up a little bit uh, on it. I, I know when it comes to, we, we always talk about this, those of us who are like are within this space is how, how women's sports and, and only getting 4% of the coverage and having to even kind of compete with, within that, that 4%, right? Like going to, to a major outlet and, Yes, maybe you can find some some women's uh, sports coverage, uh, but it's always uh, on a dig. It's always on a search. It's always on a hunt within mm -hmm. so many other sports that are um, typically dominating uh, those type of uh, bandwidths and, and spaces. Um, but for for just women's sports and in trying to 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 be this space and cultivate this space and grow this space and be the sort of one stop shop, like you're saying, within within content, like content versus coverage, right? Like the, the difference between those those types of things. Um, how, how is uh, JWS maybe going to uh, find the balance right between sort of producing content for the sake of, of content and then maybe general coverage and overall coverage, like striking the balance between, you know, like, oh, yes, like your feel good human interest stories, the storytelling versus, you know, like, you know, the analytical or critical angles of, of having to, to do coverage for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just important to treat women's sports like sports. 
And so that means being critical and that means being critical of leagues and teams and also athletes when they don't show up. Cause I think that's part of it, right? We have to keep everything honest and it sparks debate and interest and no, she actually did play really well or no, she didn't, right? Like we have that on the guy's side so much and it's interesting and entertaining content. So I think we are never going to not criticize them. Like we work closely with the leagues and we tell them that too. And we're like, that's good for you. You want that. Um, and I think everyone's bought into that as well. But I think for us, like, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways where I see us at this phase in our company is almost like a women's sports marketing company. Our goal is to grow this space because these women are at awesome and the product is awesome. And we would just want more people coming in and it's like, jump in the water's warm. We want to grow this space and grow the ecosystem. And so for us, like we want to give you that coverage or content, like, you know, whatever you want to call it, like games, news, analysis, stats, because it's interesting and it's part of it and it's part of building the world. And we want to give you, you know, some of those fun podcasts, like Sam and Lynn's podcast is, it's just fun. It's like the ultimate soccer girl podcast. They have a blast to get weird. You know, that's just fun. And I think it's important to see all sides of it, right? Like they're very serious athletes and they're humans, right? And they're goofy and they're real. And so I think it's, I'm not convinced that one is more important than the other. I am convinced that we have to build the world. And part of building the world is the stats and it's the fun. And, you know, that's really what we're trying to do. I love it so much. When you go to Just Women Sports, you see automatically all different types of, of spots. You see the, the the podcast, you see the different types of pieces, whether they're long form or, or shorter or more analytical. And I, I love that when you get there, you could see that uh, it's, it's again, we, we started out the top of this podcast web by saying this, that it really is this becoming this place uh, for audience to go who are solely looking for the content and the coverage of women's sports. But outside of, let's say outside of the big, the big two, right, NWSL. WNBA. What what other areas uh, does JWS directly sort of uh, look into and try to to amplify? Like when other uh, when when the audience is going to JWS and they know they can find NWSL stuff or they know they can find WNBA stuff. What else are they going to find when they hit on up that site? Yeah, I mean, our goal is really to cover all women's sports. We definitely focus on the big two, WNBA and NWSL. We're also covering you know U.S. Women's National Team, international soccer. Women's surfing, there's a ton of excitement there. The LPGA, WTA, um, Athletes Unlimited is doing a lot of really awesome stuff. Um, you know, we love college sports as well. That was obviously harder in the pandemic because it was sort of on and off, but we want to bring you women's sports. We're really learning that, you know, the audience that likes, you know, maybe women's soccer is starting to like, you know, women's basketball and women's tennis. And we really think, you know, you might come for one thing, but the goal is to have you stay for a bunch of other things and just build that world of women's sports. And so if it's women's sports, we're all over it. You like it. I love it. It's so awesome <laughs> to have you here on Attacking Third. Finally, Haley, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I would like to thank everybody for for listening to this awesome conversation that we just had. This the first ever, probably not the last collaboration between Attacking Third and JWS. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, I want to let everybody that you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast show. If you go on over to uh, Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with a question, Lisa and I will answer as part of our mailbag segment. So head on over and leave us a review and a question. And we're also available as video. So head on over to youtube.com slash attacking third hit subscribe so you'd never miss a thing for Sandra Rita, Lisa Roman and Haley Wilson this was attacking third okay picture this 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.